Our Favorite Albums is sponsored by Complete Data Systems. As a retailer, you need the best possible tools in your retail store, including bulletproof point-of-sale software. If you want the most complete retail reports possible, check out retailprodemo.com. That is retailprodemo.com. In 1991, the city of Austin, Texas, officially adopted the moniker the live music capital of the world, and for good reason. A city like no other on the planet, Austin combines Texas hill country nostalgia with the beating pulse of a bass drum that never seems to fully go to sleep, despite the fact that on any given night in Austin, you can find close to 100 live music venues with some of the most spectacular musicians alive performing all within just a few blocks of one another, and it happens almost on every single night. Walk down 6th Street on a Friday night, and you can discover some homeless guy in drag who might be the most talented musician you've ever met mixed into the sea of drunken bros and hoes, and no one even pays attention to him. And what makes it so special is that musician doesn't even mind that no one's listening to him or paying attention to him because he is living the dream in the live music capital of the world. What began in the Lone Star State at a bar called Threadgills in the 1930s was perpetuated by Willie Nelson flipping the bird to Nashville in the 60s and moving back home, dragging with him a band of outlaw musicians that would forever shape the South over and over again like an ecosystem in entropy that somehow redefines itself on a nightly basis into something bigger and better every time the downbeat occurs. Fast forward to 1994, and the Austin music scene has evolved into a burgeoning supernova of every musical genre you can imagine. Blues guitar maestros, grunge rock flannel, overbearing funk, western swing, outlaw country, three-beat German oompa waltz, or even avant-garde syncopated noise all float into the ether, hovering like a fog above Austin mainstays, like Antone's nightclub on 5th Street or Waterloo Record Store at the corner of 6th and Lamar. There are few better examples of that feel, that spirit, that zeitgeist, than a local Austin band of Austin dudes who stayed together just long enough to create one of the most phenomenal albums you've never heard. In this episode of Our Favorite Albums, we are listening to Soul Hat's 1994 album, Good to Be Gone. Our Favorite Albums is a commentary, criticism, and music review podcast. All tunes are copyrighted and owned by the artist, not us. We just have to tell... <laughs> Motherfucker. We are just here to tell our opinions, which obviously are our own, and don't reflect any artist, a sponsor, or whatever. This is... Our favorite album. This is our favorite albums. A podcast where we take an album, 
and we go through it completely. We listen to it with you, and we give you our full take on the history of the band, the recording, maybe some of the fun trivia that's there, and we do it together. I'm Michael. That guy across the way from me is Jason. How's it going? And today we are breaking down the 1994 album by Soul Hat, Good to Be Gone. I love this album. But before we go any further, I have to, and I hate to do this to you, Mike. I do, but I have to correct something you said in your opening monologue. Okay. The homeless transvestite was not a guitar player. His name was Leslie, and he ran for mayor. <laughs> and right. that is a true story. That is absolutely right. I, there was a. That's right. He was a bit of a uh, local celebrity, right, he Leslie? Was. I, I have. I have. A, I just have to tell the story real quick. So there was a. There's a. There was a restaurant on Sixth Street called Dan McCluskey's back in the day. Okay. And my current father-in-law at the time, girlfriend's father, would come into Austin on a regular basis okay. and take us out to dinner. Right. And we were sitting in this restaurant, which had a big glass window looking out over 6th Street, right? I know where this is going. And he's Leslie is out there in full thigh highs, heels, makeup. Okay, so, so let's describe Bustier. it. Let's... Oh, yeah, so this was a, uh, a very bearded, long-haired, beard, right? man. Like long beard, right? <laughs> And he's holding this sign pressed into the window, and my my father in law, girlfriend's dad at the time, is staring right at it, and it right. says, "I'm drunk. Take me home." <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, it was the greatest. What a great memory. What, what Leslie was known for was wearing thongs, right? Oh yeah, thigh like fishnets. Yeah, the whole nine yards. And he kind of had nice legs for a dude, right? <laughs> I mean. Your I mean, he, he was like, hey, listen. I mean, he had a beard too, but that it, was his it, thing. There you go. Yeah. Of- yeah, he was a local celebrity, and actually, uh, they they. Somebody tried to get him on the ballot for mayor in the 90s at one point. So that's Austin in a nutshell right there. Wow. Austin is an interesting place. This is our state capital. Uh, we talk so much about the music uh, texture and the music community here in Texas, but it doesn't exist without Austin. Austin is the uh, the, the mythical city on the hill. That's, mm. that's where the bands, that's where the musicians in Texas all want to be, right? I sure. Mean, that's the place. Sure. Uh, you know, and it's funny, uh, the, the thing with Austin, uh, when, when we were growing up, um, and we're about the same age, you graduated high school in 94, I graduated in 95. Yeah. Uh, Austin was the place where if your local band made it big, that's where your local band went. Oh, yeah. that's like what, You made it to Austin. Correct. Yeah, everybody piled in a van and... Ate dog food for a while. <laughs> dog food's expensive. <laughs> I know that was, that was a joke. That was like they're all eating the, living in the van eating dog food. But, you, but you're right. I mean, if you were in Houston or Dallas or Fort Worth and you wanted to, you, you had a band and you wanted to make it, well, then a lot of people just piled down to Austin and there you went. You sure, know, you had a whole bunch of guys like sharing apartments. You know, four or five people in a two bedroom apartment and just working day jobs and then playing gigs at night whenever you could get one. Yeah, as yeah. you mentioned in your uh, intro, you know, the live music capital of the world is over a hundred. Over 100 venues at the time, like somebody would be playing that. All, I mean, everybody was in a band, it seems like. Yeah, and, and, and that's still today. At any point, Correct, if yeah. you go into Austin, if you're going to go party and you go down to uh, to an area that, that named Sixth Street. Sixth Street, correct. They During the daytime, you can drive up and down Sixth Street downtown, right? But they block off the... the it, it's much like Bourbon Street. Right. In, in New Orleans, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, they block the street off and you're just walking up and down. Just a sea of humanity. Just a sea right? of humanity going from bar to bar and... Uh, 
and all, a whole bunch of different people. I mean, you've got like the musicians, and then of course you've got like all the UT students, and then you've got the you know the people who are our age out hanging out, having a drink, you know, and going out to dinner. I mean, it's it's a mixed bag of people. It really sure. is. And, and the music's down there is a mixed bag too. I mean, you've got um, you know back back in the nineties, you you'd have like a, you know emos and places like that that were like real alternative if sure. you will and then you have a you know black cats down over here and you, you got a you know blues band you know three piece jamming away or something along those lines so I and mean, it was it was kind of all over the place really? it still is i'm sure and, and, it, and it's it's so funny like when you go down there at nighttime uh i mean it really doesn't start coming alive until the sun goes down correct right yeah. uh, but when the sun goes down it is i mean there are people everywhere they are drunk uh You'll see a fight or two down there. Oh, but sure. For yeah. the most part, it's pretty safe. Well, right? there's, there's it's not like a riot. You know? Right, right. It's definitely not a riot. <laughs> there's no looting going there's on. There's no looting going on. <laughs> Listen, we try to stay topical we try to here stay on topical. our favorite albums. That's, that's, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's a cool place. And, sure. But there's also uh, 6th Street is where we think of when we think of Austin and bands yeah. and whatnot. But you, know, you mentioned Threadgills in the beginning. I mean, Threadgills was way. A different part of town, yeah. That, right, yeah. And you got places like the Saxon Pub, which are you know down off Lamar and around the corner in a ways. And so there's bands. I mean, there's bars everywhere. There's clubs everywhere. Um, you know, the back room was, which is closed, and a lot of these that I, I remember from back then are all closed now, unfortunately. <laughs> but you know, the back room was over on East Riverside, and that's where all the touring like uh, hard rock metal bands would play. Really, know, or the, and the local guys too. You know, sure. But uh, you know, it's just all the band, just bars everywhere, clubs everywhere, and everybody seems like they were in a band. Um, when I lived there, so I moved there at the end of 94, and uh, it seems like everybody was in a band, and to the point that the, the running joke was, do you know what you call a guitar player without a girlfriend? What's that? Homeless. <laughs> I still think that's funny. Well, it's like that whole thing with uh, uh, the ranchers and farmers always say that mama's got to have a, a, a town in, a, a job a town in job, town yeah. Yeah, to pay for my farming and ranching So that I can habit. farm and ranch, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, so today we're talking about a group called Soul Hat. Uh, Soul Hat, if you haven't noticed, uh, was a local Austin band uh, that made it big. And the funny thing about Austin, uh, so many times within our podcast, so far and in the future, I can go ahead and tell you that in the future this is going to happen too. Uh, we talk so much about the fabric of Texas and the, the, the music society here in Texas and how many bands have come out of Texas that uh, are, are national celebrities. Absolutely. Yeah, and Texas is a big place. I mean, listen, California is a big place, too. So it's not like you're really sure. like, you know, I, hey, listen, you know, I, I grew up in California where all the bands are from. Like, man, you grew up in Petaluma. <laughs> <laughs> You don't get to claim everything. You don't, you, don't get to, you don't get to claim that. Yeah, but it, it, in Texas, Texas is a little different because we have outposts of different spots of of, of the state, uh, and each one has its own very unique music culture. Right? Absolutely, yeah. uh, the West Texas uh, world. You know where the, where the Mains Brothers are from. Uh, there was a time in the early '80s uh, where the Mains Brothers dominated West Texas. Well, in East Texas, where I'm from, I never even heard of them. Sure, you no, know, until the Dixie Chicks came along, I never heard of them. But if you talk to somebody who's from West Texas, they know everything about the the, the Mains Brothers because they were so big. Uh, you go down to Houston, and uh, within the Houston community. Gosh, the the blues bar stuff down there, you know, the fabulous satellite lounge, and the, how many groups came out of the, the satellite? Yeah, there, lounge? There's a big metal scene in Houston, and San Antonio has a huge metal scene. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you get to Dallas, and you get there, there's an area called Deep Elm. Deep Elm, absolutely. You know, Deep Elm. There were so many bands that came out of uh, Deep Elm in the '80s. As a matter of fact, a guy that I went to high school with, a guy by the name of Dave Williams, was a singer of Drowning Pool. Oh, that's right. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but that being said. 
there's no more real live cradle of music than Austin, Texas. And this group we're talking about today, Soul Hat, was right in the middle of that. That's correct, yeah. If, if you would please, let me give a quick, uh, I don't know, like a family tree of how Austin came about. Please do. I mentioned Threadgills. Uh, that was an old bar that was started in the 30s. Uh, there were some blues guys that came through there. The way the Delta Blues kind of split from uh, the south in Mississippi and Louisiana and spread out. And you had guys that went to, to uh, Chicago, guys that went to Texas. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that happened in Nashville. But right around the mid-60s, there was a guy by the name of Willie Nelson, who uh, was a Nashville songwriter, but he was from Abbott, Texas. Now, I have a funny story about Abbott, Texas. Uh, Abbott, Texas is right on 35, uh, somewhere right around Waco, between Waco and, um, where is that? I, I think maybe just north of Waco is okay, where, where okay. Abbott, Texas is. Uh, but if you blink, you're going to miss it. And the only reason you know it's there is because there's a sign that says the home of, of Willie Nelson. Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> But it's right on 35, where uh, that's one of the, the major interstates here uh, in Texas. Uh, but when I was in college, I was in a class of about 200 to 250 people. And the professor, every single class, would have one row stand up and have every person stand up to say what their name was and where they were from. And the, the fun thing was is you get to hear where all these kids are going to school with, where they're from different parts of the state every single week. Uh, there would be someone who stood up that would say their town name that no one had ever heard of. And his joke was, did you have a town drunk? <laughs> now, I grew up in a town called Princeton, Texas, which is uh, just north and east of, of Dallas. Uh, no one has ever heard of Princeton. Uh, usually when I say I'm from Princeton, people say New Jersey. And I always joke, yeah, we all talk like this. Yeah, obviously you sound like you're from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's a small outcropping of uh, <laughs> <laughs> Scotch-Irish. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but when I stood up and said I was from Princeton, of course, the joke was, did you have a town drunk? And, uh, well, um, no, but uh, that was the, the joke that he did. There was a girl in one of our classes that she stood up and said her name, and she was from Abbott, Texas. And then when she said it, we all started jumping and looking around because we knew what was happening. And we're just praying that he would ask, and he did. And he said, did you have a town drunk? And she said, yeah, Willie Nelson. <laughs> and it, <laughs> That's so, great. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, so Willie shot the finger. Gave the bird to uh, to the Nashville music scene, and he said, "I'm heading back home." So he took with him this band of uh, country music guys, and country music was different back then in the '60s. You know, it was, absolutely uh, that, that whole Bob Wills Western swing thing um, was <laughs> fair and young. Uh, some of the, the 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 first Hank Williams, not Hank Williams Jr., but right. uh, the first Hank Williams. You know that style, real twangy and uh, lots of kind of sad waltzy type stuff. Uh, Willie wasn't writing that. It was a little ballsier. And so guys like him and Waylon Jennings uh, and Doug Somm, they came back to Austin and they created what we know as the Austin music scene today, right? Right. That's correct. At, at any given night, you could walk down the street and one of those guys would be playing in a band, in how, a bar. How much fun would that have been? I can't imagine. Like, just like you walk in there. We think of Willie Nelson now as this, like, this guy that's been playing forever and ever and ever. But just yeah. to be able to see him just in a bar drinking a beer that would have been an amazing experience what, what do you think he was doing what did you say he was doing uh, he was uh, in a bar not drinking a beer listen it, it's 2020 we can we, we can we admit he was i mean this is a lot of weed this is, this is <laughs> willie nelson obviously right and this you know this being austin so was everyone else that's right um but it wasn't just country music 
a lot of that blues influence was happening. And then you look at a guy like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Stevie Ray Vaughan is immortalized with a statue. Right on Town Lake. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But he was from he was from Dallas. He and his his brother, his older brother Jimmy Vaughn, uh, was in a band called the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Fabulous Thunderbirds, yeah, that's with right. Him and Kim Wilson, uh, and those guys at one point they had a, an album called Tough Enough. That's right. That that was it, a that was a big huge, breakout hit. The 80s. Yeah, yeah, huge. Uh, and I was talking to my friend Barry, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, Barry kind of knows a lot of these guys. Barry's an interesting guy. I can't wait to have Barry on with us. But um, uh, he he knew some of those guys from oh, that's the Fabulous cool. Thunderbirds as that's well. That's really cool. Yeah. And so it, it's so funny how that sort of thing happens where you'll know somebody who knows somebody and then they knew Stephen Ray person, Vaughan. right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, well, yeah, we're, it's right here in our backyard. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that world started uh, in the 60s. It started growing, and then in 1987, there was a group that got a music festival together called South by Southwest. South by Southwest, yeah, the legendary South by Southwest. That's right. Uh, it was a play on uh, North by Northwest, uh, the on movie the, on the movie. Okay, yep. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock movie, Alfred, I believe. Yeah, yeah. someone with the plane flying over the field. Yeah, he's running away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but South by Southwest started in '87, and it is now. I would say probably the the biggest music festival. It's the granddaddy of them all, right? Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, did you know that South by Southwest was a play off of Willie Nelson's Fourth of July picnic that started in 1971? Really? Yeah. <laughs> in Dripping Springs, Texas. They, yeah, they, which he still he still does. Yeah. Uh, the last one was in 2017, which, I believe. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, every every year Willie would have this great big party invite. Huge. Yeah. yeah. That way he he would invite all of his like Gary P. Nunn and Gary Stewart and. Ray Wiley Hubbard and all these guys would yeah. go out, and I believe Ray Wiley Hubbard even has his own festival that he does now. So, I mean, it's just it, it's it's crazy how all that happened, and it happened because of Austin, right? Right. And, and I don't know that you can replicate that. You can go to Austin. You can go to uh, you can go to New Orleans, and New Orleans has a very specific culture. This is yeah, it, it's an organic thing that just kind of it just forms over time, right? Yeah. And you can't just. You can't come in and go, hey, you know what? We got this. We got a city up here, and we've decided as the city fathers that we would now like to be this great musical culture or this great food culture or whatever it happens to be. Sure. And so we're going to open all this stuff, and hopefully everybody will show up. Well, that's not how that works. I not mean, at th- all. These things just happen over time, and then then they then they become who they are, and we go, that's amazing. But you can't replace it. Sure. And 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 you say that, and then we go back and look at. You know, I, th- I think at some point probably. Um, Probably about the time that the South by Southwest was really starting to get big, and people look back and go, "How did we get here?" Well, it happened because Willie did this. It happened because of a TV show that was on PBS called Austin City Limits. The great Austin City Limits. Yeah, that, that has got to be the greatest music show ever, by far. That maybe later by Jules, uh, later with Jules Holland. Uh, th- that, that's that's a real good one. That, that's a extremely good. But, if, but, but if I just mean as a, yeah, you should totally watch that if you haven't. Just as a the, the breadth of and, and width and of artists that have been on. Yeah. Austin City Limits over the years. I mean, everything has been on there. Country, rock. I mean, they, they have it all. You can see, you will find, you will see bands that you love in a great intimate setting, and you will see bands that you've never heard of before. And But everything is there. Yeah, it, it is. is. It's, it's phenomenal. And it's such a cool setting, too, where you look at it and you're like, oh, man, it's like they, they have the, the city of Austin behind them at night. You can see all the lights, and you can see that stupid tower on the campus of UT. <laughs> uh, but but the, none of that exists. That's actually right, yeah. just part of the set, right? Yeah, they're just in a studio. Yeah, they're in a studio yeah. on campus at UT, aren't well, they? I don't think they are. I think they moved that. I okay. think they outgrew that several years ago, and they're off. I think they're 
I don't think it's the original. Gotcha. I, I, I think they've moved to a different building. Gotcha. But, but it's not a bar. But it's still, no, it is, you're right. It's not As a, a kid, I always thought it was a bar. You know, I, you, you know, I have like Ray Benson and Asleep at the Wheel that right. was on, uh, on, on PBS, but they're not actually in a bar. It's actually in a studio, in a, a studio. sound yeah. studio, yeah. right? Exactly. How interesting. That's, what a cool thing. Yeah. And you're right. That helped develop Austin's music scene a lot and the appreciation for it, I think. Sure. Uh, and it, it wasn't just blues it wasn't just country right it wasn't just rock it was one of everything right right and there was so much that was all put together here so that when this group soul hat comes along and they put their album together in 1994 good to be con they had uh there was a tradition of of bands that had come up but this is this is an album that i gotta tell you man i i kind of i knew one of the songs on here but when you first gave it to me i'd never heard of soul hat right i didn't know who it was you didn't know you knew the song but you know the song yeah i, I didn't know it until i started going through it uh, as a matter of fact when you when you said soul hat i was thinking it was that i don't need soul coughing walk around in circles that is yeah, soul, soul coughing, coughing yeah yes. uh which is way different than soul yeah, hat. it's considerable <laughs> <laughs> way way different much different band yes yeah um but you you, you alluded to this uh you again you graduated in 94 from high school, I graduated in 95. You moved to Austin in 1994 when this album was released. So you're the only one I can really rely on. What was it like? Austin in the 90s was awesome. It was really cool. It really was. Um, I moved there with a couple of high school buddies in uh, end of, the very end of 94, like, like I think like new, almost New Year's Eve, basically, mm-hmm. um, in a van and a car and we got an apartment and just basically we just moved to Austin and moved to Austin. Really? You know, we thought it'd be fun. And uh, it was a cool... Uh, Bands everywhere. Uh, we we all played. We played. You were in bands. Yeah, and stuff, we, we, right? the, the two guys I moved with, we'd played in high school together, yeah. and we all ended up playing in Austin as well. And it was a, it was a fun time. It was a, the the amount of like, what you alluded to, like the bars everywhere. I mean, there, there were everybody knew somebody that was in a band. Wow, it would be weird not to be in a band. Sure, almost. You know, um, everybody knew people. We were all going. You, you went to each other's shows. Somebody would tell you about a great band, and you go check them out. And oh, cool. you know, and there were so many bands that came out of this period. Um, and it, I know we're going to talk about some of those, but George Devore, who you have a funny story about listening to George Devore here in the office. But yeah, George Devore was my manager at the, the tobacco shop I worked at. <laughs> at your day job. At my day job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so because you have to have a day job. Exactly. So yeah. he was he was my he was my actual manager. So I can remember like closing the shop up at like nine o'clock, and he's in the back changing clothes because he's going to a gig. He's going to a gig. Yeah, he's going Put to his a gig. gig shirt on. Yeah, and this is before he kind of started to get pretty big yeah you know in the later part of the mid 90s that's a weird thing to say but you know but yeah that that's just how it was i mean everybody knew somebody that was in a band i mean it wasn't a big deal half of my apartment complex played you know and really there's a drummer upstairs kind of thing and you had to figure out when the apartment manager wasn't going to be there so you could rehearse <laughs> kind of thing you know and you, you fight knew, over the drummer because right, you I need the, a drummer this yeah, week yeah I, can i use the drummer um <laughs> It's like in Russia, if you want to make food, you got to, like, there's a pan for it. <laughs> right. I, I need the pan tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, who gets the drummer this week? But it was, it was, it was a cool, it was a cool time. There was a lot of great, a uh, lot of great bands, a lot of great music. Austin has, uh, as you've alluded to, uh, an interesting sound. And I think Soul Hat represents a lot of what that sounded like at the time. Sure. Which is the, the blues influence, very mm-hmm. strong. Uh, the groove. Like there's a strong groove with this band. The yeah. Groove is strong with these guys, right? Um, you know, lots of like cool riffs, right? Lots, lots of riffs and just kind of go. And with it's it, just, right? You kind of want to, you kind of want to move your head to it a little bit. Sure. You know, it's not like a, it's it's not the grunge stuff, 
from the early '90s, where it's kind of just like heavy and hard. I mean, this is kind of this is fun, um, and it's real superior musicianship, and that's yeah, that's I another agree. thing too. With all the with all the bands that were playing, um, and I think a kind of a byproduct of that in a lot of ways is that the cream rose to the top, right? Sure, you know, sure. you know, there's so many bands vying for spots because there's only so many on Friday Friday and Saturday nights in a week, right? right? Nobody wants to play Tuesday. Everybody wants to play Friday and Saturday. <laughs> yeah, but if you get to play at Antone's Nightclub on a Tuesday, I mean, you're still well, making it on Antone's, oh, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, if, you, if you're playing it, I mean, there, there are all these great clubs from them, right? Like you mentioned Antone's, like mm-hmm. the Black Cat Lounge, Broken Spoke. By the way, Black Cat Lounge. Uh, Soul Hat recorded a live album at the They Black did. Cat they Browns. did. That is correct. Yeah. And from what I understand, the recording of that has never been made on digital, and it is hard as hell it to find. It is very by. hard to find. It is. But if you're going to find it anywhere in the world, you're probably going to find it at Waterloo Records at, at Lamar and, and you and know what? I, I was going to talk about the clubs, but I'm glad you mentioned Waterloo because they did so much to promote the local music scene, and I yeah. think they still do. Um, but y- you could get an album recorded and get it put in there. Like wow. when you walked in the front door, and if, if you, you li- still can, I, yeah, I believe yeah, that's can. correct. If you live in or around the Austin area, go go check out Waterloo because this is one of those record stores that is just, it's such an experience for a music head to walk into, but yeah. you know, you could walk in the front door and there's a local section, you know, there's, there's all the local bands, you know, it's kind of a cool thing. You know, you might citizen see Kane or, or one of these bands you've probably never heard of. Like you mentioned George Devore. I, one day I, you were walking down the hallway and I had George Devore playing because it was just on my playlist. Uh, and you stop and you came back and you kind of looked in and you, is that George DeVore? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you listening to George DeVore? How'd you know about George DeVore is good. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, he used to be my manager at the tobacco store. <laughs> well, you know, in bands, so yeah, Waterloo did so much to support everybody. And then, you know, so many bands came out of this time. I mean, we talk about George DeVore. Storyville. Yeah. Which is fantastic. You know, that's uh, Double Trouble on the rhythm section with, you know, new musician writing new stuff. Um, Push Monkey. Fastball, yeah, fastball was huge. Fastball right? came out of and, that period. If, if I read correctly, I think that Kevin McKinney, who's the uh, the guitar player and the vocals for Soul Hat, I think he may have actually recorded with them for one of the uh, really? fastball albums. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Um, so I'm, I'll give a, a quick rundown of just some of the notes that I uh, that I made for local bands inside of Austin that have come from Austin. Right, uh, and you will know us by the Trail of Dead, <laughs> the Archangels. You talked about Double Trouble's yeah. rhythm section. That's that was that, after them, Stevie died. The, that yeah, was that's them, them right? before Storyville. The yeah. before, yeah. And was that uh, was sent by Angels? That's, that's right. That's yeah. Thing? yeah, Asleep at the Wheel. You cannot mention Austin without uh, Ray Benson and Asleep at the Wheel because they've been doing Austin since like 1970. You right? absolutely cannot. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears. Love Black Joe Lewis. Date in, in the 80s. The Cock Rock. Band Dangerous Toys, Dangerous Toys. Jason, Jason McMaster, Jason McMaster. Uh, who, who again? We talk about connection. You were down there. You knew somebody that knew Jason. Yeah, McMaster, I, had, I had a friend that played in a band with him. Yeah, so, so you'd go. see, you'd see like him pull up at the same rehearsal studio that everybody else in Austin was at at that. Night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fastball. You mentioned the Jesus Lizard, Push Monkey. Uh, that my God, they had a song called Handslide that at one time yeah. on college local radio. Uh, in, in the mid-90s, God, a handslide was played at least once an hour. Right? Well, and, and you mentioned the Archangels, and the other two members of that are Doyle Bramhall II and Charlie Sexton. Wow. Which are, like, huge Austin musicians and you know, great songwriters and guitar players in their own right. So. Sure, sure. Uh, Reckless Kelly. 
Reckless Kelly. Reckless Kelly is huge. We we broadcast from Graham, Texas, and every year we have uh, the the food truck challenge here, where ten thousand people from all over come, and we have a big concert. And I believe Reckless they Kelly were supposed was, to be here this year. Yeah, yeah. if not for COVID, uh, yeah. Reckless Kelly would be that's there. Correct, right? That's correct. Uh, a group called Shearwater. Mm-hmm. Shearwater is a fantastic. They have an album called uh, Jet Plane and Oxbow that I, I know. I know somebody that absolutely loves that album. That plays that album constantly. Uh, Sister Seven. The Oh, Sister Seven was fantastic. What a live band they were, man. <laughs> Spoon. Spoon. Storyville. Vallejo. Vallejo. Uh, you, you could go on and on with... Uh, uh, P- Podunk, which is one of my favorite bands from that time yeah. period. I saw them open for King's X, and they completely destroyed the stage. I mean, they really? were unbelievable. Yeah. How about Los Lonely Boys? Los they, Lonely they, Boys, They were yeah. from San Angelo, but they did a lot of their stuff in Austin. And they brought like a mix of Conjunto music Correct, with yeah. uh, uh, kind of like stylist, stylistically groove type tunes. Exactly. Right? Uh, so th- these bands, while, while you were living there, you could have been walking down the street and just kind of walked in on one of these guys oh, yeah, playing at a bar. I, I saw Storyville play at uh, La Zona Rosa for New Year's Eve in 96 or 97. I don't remember. But Unbelievable. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the great Malford Milligan. Oh, that yeah. That, in- incredible. Just a wonderful band. Yeah. Uh, so you, you, you mentioned some of the other places that were there, uh, some of the other bars that were people would be playing. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, Egos, okay, Continental Club. Um, I've seen James McMurtry there on, wow. on occasion. That's a great little bar. James McMurtry, whose father, uh, uh, Larry, Larry McMurtry, yeah. wrote Lonesome Dove, correct, and Brokeback Mountain. And, and James is in Austin playing. In, there you go. Yeah, and has been for years. Yeah, uh, Maggie Mays, okay, which is a live music venue down on Sixth Street. Um, a lot of cover bands and but a lot of musicians playing original stuff too. The Red Eyed Fly, which was a great club, big outdoor venue, a uh, whole lot of fun to play at. Um, Shady Grove, which just closed down, which was a restaurant, but they had I saw the that leg- they just they closed that down. They had the, a legendary out, uh, under the Grove outdoor music set, uh, event that went on for years and years and years and years and years. I mean, you could go. Grab some tortilla, coast trusted catfish, and uh, you know, watch a band play. It was oh, pretty cool. fantastic. And, and you mentioned and steamboat, before steamboat, steamboat, the great steamboat, sure, which is a fantastic place as well. Uh, you mentioned before that you can't you can't emulate what happened there. It just kind of came about, right? Right, exactly. Uh, you you can't just decide to do Austin City Limits. You can't just decide. I mean, they decided to do South by Southwest, but they had no idea it was going to that get it was going to turn into what now. it is. Yeah, you, you can't yeah. just create that. I mean, of all the clubs we just listed off, at least half of them are gone. At this point, right? Really? So, you know, the, the incubator is a little different now. Sure, sure. Uh, but Soul Hat, this group, would have been uh, someone, and they, they probably still do, because from what I understand, Kevin McKinney, who's who's the de facto leader and kind of... The main songwriter, singer, and the genius guitar player. Soul Hat. Yeah. Still lives in Austin? Yeah. He just, uh, he released an album three days ago, actually. It's called Vegetable. Really? I have not listened to it yet, but I just saw that came across my... Uh, Notes this morning. Gotcha. And I, I think at some point, uh, Kevin started teaching at uh, the Austin School of Music. Yeah, he and teaches so guitar there. Yeah. You, you could take a <laughs> guitar lesson, guitar lesson yeah. from the guy that, that we're going to be fawning over here in just a bit when we get into uh, Good to Be Gone. Yeah, and the other big heavy hitter in this band is uh, Barry Frosty Smith, who's the drummer. And he passed away in 17. Uh, but he's a legend. He really? was quite a bit older than the rest of the guys. And he, he had played with... Like, t- Played Funkadelic for a while. James Clinton's, you know, George Clinton, George Clinton in the seventies. Um, played with Junior Brown, the Texas Tornadoes. Wow. He played Junior drums. Brown's another one. I mean, yeah, he, that's the, another big Austin. Awesome that guy yeah. created his own fucking guitar. <laughs> that's right. The, the Get Steel, that's, right? That, that crazy little slide thing, the steel guitar. It's half guitar and, yeah. and half steel. Yeah. The 
gets, highway patrol wasn't that his big hit i'm doing my uh, time on the highway, the highway patrol, patrol. That's, right, I, that's right i have a deep voice that's but junior right. brown he, he can actually control it yeah nobody can sing that yeah. deep but yeah so frosty i mean you will listen to this and fawn all over him too he's a fantastic drummer but you know once again this is a guy that was an austin institution and hooked up with these kids at the time and started just killing it sure sure so uh we've kind of given you a bit of a background on uh the austin world and how we got to this point where a group like soul hat could release this album that you probably have never heard of before uh, I know that I hadn't. There was a, a song on here once I went through it. Uh, the way we do, uh, the way we pick our songs is we, we go back and forth. I'll pick an album. Jason will pick an album. Uh, we usually tell the other one which album we're going to choose after the the final close of the episode before. Uh, and so when you uh, gave me this, yeah, I, I started spinning this on <laughs> a, a lot. So this was three weeks ago. I've listened to this album uh, a lot over the past three weeks. And I didn't know any of these songs until I got to track number seven, which is Bone Crusher. Bone Crusher, the great Bone Crusher. Yeah, and as soon as I heard it, I go, ah, I know that song. They used to play that on KEGL, 97.1 FM in Dallas, Texas. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So that's interesting that you say that. That was an Austin, like an Austin tradition on Fridays. Uh, shortly after 5 o'clock, Johnny Walker would always, that was the DJ, would okay. spin this. Um, on f- on Fridays at five, we'd listen to Bone Crusher. Really, it was like the it was the extended version. It was the long one. It was okay, like the big long jam. Okay, and, and that was you knew the weekend was there because Bone Crusher was on the radio. Wow, wow. I wonder why. Because like, it's, 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 it's a party song. It's a great song. Just a kick-ass it's a rock song. song. <laughs> I have a funny story about that. If you'll indulge me for a second, of course. But I. Uh, so my sister-in-law was a huge... I got her into these guys, right? Okay. And uh, I, she would not get out of the car until the song was <laughs> over when she got home. And you could literally like knock on the window and go, I've got the CD in the house. <laughs> yeah. We can play this again. You you want to, you, I'll, I'll play it all night. I can, I can call a couple people and probably we, go down we, to these guys' we, house. We'll find these guys if you want to. But <laughs> they live over in seven. But that was the thing. It was such a tradition on Fridays that you just... That was the song. You listened to the song. You didn't get out of the car until the song was over. Really? Yeah, it's just such an Austin thing, I guess. Uh, but, to- totally an Austin thing. Uh, you know, the, the radio stations in Austin and uh, we mentioned the record store at Waterloo Records. We mentioned and, and the groups. I mean, the Austin radio they, they stations. They promoted. They really did. They did a great job of that. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think that once again, that's part of the scene, right? It that, is. That's why yeah. it became what it was is because it was so supported internally, locally. You know, And if, if you're in bands and stuff, I can't imagine what that was like when you moved down there. Like, because, I mean, even though you might not have been like crazy serious where it was like the only thing, like you eschew your family and all, you know, all food right. to do that. I, I can't imagine what that was like being down there. It was a cool scene. It was a cool time. It really, really was. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, it was it was a great time to be a uh, a young musician without a care in the world, for sure. Gotcha. Minus a day job. <laughs> <laughs> we've given you the background. Uh, we've gone through and told you about Austin. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to jump into this album, uh, an album that, uh, if not for the fact that it hit big and had this one hit, could possibly be forgotten forever. Absolutely. Uh, but I'm so glad that it wasn't. I'm so glad that you picked this this album. Uh, this is our favorite albums. Stick with us. We're coming back with Soul Hat's 1994 album, Good to Be Gone. Hi, everybody. This is Dan Jablons from Retail Smart Guys. 
If you're listening to this Our Favorite Album podcast and you know Jason and Michael, then maybe you're in retail. And if you are, then you should know that my company, Retail Smart Guys, could help your company achieve better sales, greater profits, greater cash flow, and a whole lot more fun. So visit www.retailsmartguys.com or call my personal cell at 818-720-2585 and I'll tell you more about it. Attention retail store owners. Imagine this. Your customer walks in and is greeted by an associate with a tablet in hand. As they browse the store, your rep makes recommendations based on their current selections, all the while building an accurate customer profile that you can use to improve business. On the back end, this powerful retail management software ensures you have the correct inventory on hand, follows up with customers to bring them back to the store, and provide the best possible service. Turn each and every one of your employees into a superstar at RetailProDemo.com. That's Retail ProDemo.com. Howdy, this is Mayor Betsy Price. Michael, we sure love you here in Cowtown. This is our favorite albums, a podcast where we take an album and we go through it completely, giving you the background, the history, the rundown of the album, and why we love it so much. I'm Michael, that's Jason, and today we are running through a 1994 album by a group called Soul Hat called Good To Be Gone. This is a great album. I'm very happy that we're doing this one. Man, I'm I'm glad I just see that this was your pick, that this was was your selection. Uh, And when you told me what it was, I mean, there there was no hesitation. You were like, I'm thinking about this or I'm thinking about this. It was just like, (laughs) this is the album we're doing, right? Well, this is, is, I think I may have mentioned this earlier, but this has been on my list of albums since we first decided to do this because it's such a great album. And, uh, you know, it's 25, 26 years old, and I still listen to it regularly. Sure. This is is something I spend on quite frequently. Awesome. Uh, I had not. Uh, This is an album that I I mentioned that I'd I'd heard Bone Crusher. After I heard it, I remembered that I had heard it before. But other than that, I I didn't know who the hell this was. That's kind of a fun way to listen to an album when you never heard anything on it. Yeah. Well, and it, really, that's what we're trying to bring to the audience. Absolutely, right? sure. Uh, we're trying to bring to you, our friends, that we want you to listen to albums uh, and experience them. You know, albums that could be 25, 30 years old that you never knew existed that have been sitting there on the shelf at Waterloo Records. You know, like this one. Time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this album was, uh, we talked about kind of the buildup and where Austin was and how a group like this could exist. Uh, they came in, they hit big, and then right after this, before... Before nineteen, this was released in ninety four and ninety six. They had a reunion show, so they had already yeah, broken. They up. were already gone. Yeah. Right. So they had they had a chart topping hit, uh, and broke up, and then had a reunion show within two years. Right. And then they released. Uh, they got back together again and released another album in two thousand. And then once again, that was that was the end of it. I think. So. Gotcha. Uh, within my notes, as I went through this again the first time, uh, I, I noted how good the musicianship was, mm-hmm. how tight they are. Um, but also, they are really playing inside the space here. Oh, absolutely, right? yeah. Uh, they, uh, there's a lot of funk here, kind of like Red Hot Chili Peppers type funk. Not not as good on bass as Flea, but that you know that's kind of hard to do. Uh, but these guys are really good musicians. They're very good, right? yeah. Well, and it's different. It's not like like straight, more like straight funk, like the Chili Peppers. It's more of a groove. It's yeah, just, it's got a groove to it. Yeah, yeah. And which is an, kind of an Austin thing from the sure. time period. I think groove, uh, blues. Some rock. There There's a little bit of grunge that comes out of this thing, right? Absolutely, yeah. That uh, that would be the, the the riffy, like picking a riff and, and going with just it, kind of run. With, but that's also very bluesy too in the way that they play it too. I mean, sure, these are all more, mostly like blues based riffs. Sure, um, of course. As the drummer, one of the things that I noticed was Frosty was back there, and when he hits that ride cymbal, it's like ding 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 ding. 
and he doesn't miss a beat. He does man. a lot of really creative stuff on the drums too. I mean, there's a lot going on back there. It's you know, a lot I, of fun. I read that uh, uh, he was before he was the full time drummer. He was a the uh, second drummer and played a lot of percussion stuff. Okay, and so like a lot of like weird sounding percussion items and stuff. And, and just moved into the full time spot. Yeah, but but you can hear him on this. Like there are times in this uh, within this album where he'll pick up the claves and you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> or, or you know, is that a wood block that I hear back there? You know, I mean, he, he's playing some really cool stuff. But uh, I think that that's a lot of that uh, that Austin mentality. You know, sure, kind of that, sure. That fun Austin stuff where these guys are playing with it. I mean, there's space. there's some horns on this on occasion, you know, which is kind of weird, but sure. it just it kind of adds to the mood overall. I think, and, and it's whimsical too. That there's some Correct, music yeah. here. Uh, but I mean, Kevin McKinney. It, he's funny. I, I, I saw an interview with him, and he's he's got this definite Central Texas drawl, but also kind of this like I don't know, just kind of cool, like funky. Hey man, what's going on, man? Kind of <laughs> it just like this cool way of talking. Gotcha. That, uh, you can hear it kind of come through on a couple of these songs. So this was uh, this recorded in '94, and uh, we we talked about McKinney, we talked about Frosty. This is uh, Bill Casis is on the second guitar and backing vocals. Okay, and then uh, Brian Walsh is on the bass. Uh, this was recorded in Atlanta, Georgia, interestingly enough, at wow. Doppler Studios. Okay. Um, and the, the engineer and the producer on this is a guy by the name of Nick Didia. And I didn't know who he was either, but it was interesting that uh, he produced uh, Pearl Jam's Versus album. And he has production credits on it. He didn't do the whole thing. And uh, Pearl Jam recorded an album in the 80s at Doppler Studios. So there's kind of some weird... Really? Weird connections here to the rest of the 90s music stuff that was going on. So I, just, I thought that was kind of interesting because I would have assumed that it was recorded in Austin yeah, by some famous Austin engineer, but no. Interesting. REM's from Atlanta. I wonder if they have the uh, the, the credits at Doppler Studio are long. They've recorded a lot of albums. Really? A lot of albums get recorded there. It's, it's evidently a big one. Really? Cool. Well, let's get into this. Uh, this is Soul Hat's album, Good to Be Gone, from 1994. 11 tracks. Uh, it, it's going to be all over the place. They are telling some stories. Uh, they are they're being funny about it, but they're also talking about some pretty serious stuff. And that is definitely the the uh, the issue with the first track, a song Homer. called Homer. Yeah, and this was '94. I I don't know if there was any kind of it's possible reference to The Simpsons. Maybe man, right off. Yeah, here Groove. we here we go. Yeah. yeah. The, the drums on this just kill me. Just like. See what I mean? We're both like kind of moving our heads a little bit. You can't. We are. Help, you yeah. can't help it. It's 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 infectious. Yeah, it's very groovy. And and they're picking a um, they're picking a riff and, and running it. Yeah. And they're just kind of playing it over and over and over. Uh, but that's really kind of the, the beauty of maybe the style out of Austin. Right? Uh, yeah. Well, I think there was, you know, there's definitely some similar stuff going on at the time, but I, I, maybe nothing that sounds quite like this. Yeah. I love this line. I learned I was a sinner, and I thought I was just a liar. <laughs> The drummer's really good. Yeah, yeah. His fills are, are uh, they're complex, but they're not overly done. They're tasteful. Yeah. And, and I, if you listen to the bass in the background, that guy is really all over the place. Yeah. A little wah pedal there. Yep. 
the mix on this is really good. It is. Very professional, yeah. yeah. I mean you know you know when you you know when you hear it that they didn't record this in like a garage studio at some guy's house in Austin. Yeah, right? it's a, this is professional. Yeah, you know? it, it really is. Uh, and, and these guys have, have played this. You can tell that they have definitely tightened up. You know, they, they've played this over and over and over. There's and been some rehearsal yeah. time put into this. Yeah. yeah. And that bass part. Yeah, he's riff. He's all over it. They're back into that groove. Yep. And get a little guitar solo. I assume that's a strap. Maybe some telly. I don't know. I can't tell. It sure sounds like a strap, doesn't yeah, it? It does. It's not quite twangy enough to be a telly. Right. It, right. And it's, it would kind of fit. That is so bluesy. Totally. He has really great phrasing. He does, his his phrasing solos. is really, yeah. really good. But you know the uh, the riffs are, are the, the phrasing on the riffs are also really good. Yes, you know, and, and, the, and the way they structure them. Absolutely, it's just like a really cool pattern. It, it is. Any idea what the song's about? No clue. No idea. <laughs> I mean, it's a guy, right? Cocaine. Okay. Yeah, it starts out with having you know you like me better when I don't have funny stuff in my nose and. Talk about finding salvation. So, yeah. So I'm, I mentioned the stuff in Austin. This sounds like walking by a bar and you would hear this coming out of played. the bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you could do that right now if you were in Austin. You could walk down the street and on Sixth Street at night, and you could hear something like this. Oh, right? sure, absolutely. He's got a great growl. He really does. Yeah. He, it's that going back to what you were talking about with this kind of cool guy. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned how tight they were. You know, on the headphones, you can hear both guitars very clearly. Yeah. And they are perfectly in sync with these yeah, riffs. They really are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was great. The bass on here is great. Yeah, the bass and the guitars are all playing the same yep. thing in octaves, Perfectly. Right? Yeah. I can't tell. Big hate, no fade out. Oh, yeah, they actually have an ending. <laughs> yeah, they actually ended the song, no fade out. <laughs> okay, Kevin, I'm challenging you to no fade out. No fade album. out. <laughs> so this next track is Good to Be Gone. This is the title track. Correct. So this is the song that when I first heard this on the radio, when I first moved to Austin, I heard the song and then I had to go buy the album. So this is what made me a fan, if you will. Yeah. This is still one of my favorite songs. Love that riff. And that riff just delicious. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that feels, that just transports me back to 1994. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> Oh, that tone it's thick it's dirty but it's not so dirty that you don't have any clarity so Frosty's doing this thing where he's playing like a really minimalistic ride but he's also like doing this fills where it's like he's playing a pattern with both hands right right the one's on cymbal and one's on, on drum and listen to what he's playing now kind of the same thing yeah exactly exactly but he's playing on the cymbal and the drum and they fill in those toms in 
love Kevin McKinney's voice, by the way. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. so cool, and it's so cool, it's so rich. Man. He just sounds cool. Yeah, he does. Sound, you want to have a beer with the guy? Great harmonics. Again, that's a that's a really good line right there. I once had a love sweet as could be, but all that ever got me was drunk. <laughs> he, he's got a he's got a humor. There's a real sense of humor in the lyrics. lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah whimsy. I think you mentioned that earlier. I mean, it's just there's a real sense of amusement. Wow, that that's so thick. Big sound, wow, right? What a big, big thick sound. sound. Back to the groove. This is a head-bobbing album, man. It is. It really is. The, the drum pattern on there is just so cool. Yeah. All at like 72 beats a minute, too. I mean, we're not we're not screaming fast. We're just cruising, man. Yeah. We're, just, we're just cruising. Just above a heartbeat level. Yep. Great use of feedback there. Oh, yeah. It's very well controlled. I can't tell if he's doing a chorus. If he's doing a chorus guitar on that, or if they actually have an organ back here, I think it's a, it's a guitar, and I think it's the second guitar kind of up amp with the chorus. Great guitar solo. Kind of a minimalistic, very yeah, yeah. kind of David Gilmore esque. It's fun when you hear somebody play a minimalist solo when you know they can shred. Yeah, like they're 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 just playing what's necessary for the song. I love that. This is a strat. Yeah, very bluesy, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and there's that phrasing again. Yeah. Man, I can't get over how how tight Frosty is on these drums. He, he, so far, he hasn't missed a beat. He hasn't missed a note. He's putting a bunch in there, but he's not putting too much in where it right. sounds like he's ever playing. You, know? it, you, you couldn't imagine any other drummer playing underneath us after you hear them together, yeah. right? Really cool build here, man. And we're right back to it. I like those little guitar parts are just kind of thrown in for color. Yeah. Who does he sound like? I, I don't know. That's a good question. There's a, there's definitely a blues attitude. Yeah. You know that that, that badass attitude kind of thing that you get from a lot of the blues guys going on there. Right. He has a very good voice, but it's in a specific range, right? Well, he hasn't really pushed it. To, I mean, he's got a little bit of a growl, but he doesn't like go way, way out and kind of break or anything like that. He stays in his lane. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he knows what he's good at. He knows what he can sing. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, I am too. Love the big build here. Here's that drum thing I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of just picking it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That is such a cool. Hey, two songs. Two songs, no fade outs. No fade outs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the way that track builds and it goes yeah. back down and builds and, and then builds. And come, yeah. yeah. This is Wigan, track number three. There's that whim. Yep. That's funky, man. That is so funky. Dude, that yeah. is red hot chili peppers, kind of that so mother's funky. milk stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The drums on this are great. It almost kind of has that, um, uh, that like New Orleans crew in you know, the marching crew, you know. The yeah, you know what it does. Kind of you're right. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. Yeah. Anthony Kiedis wishes his voice was, was good this good. <laughs> Kevin McKinney. I mean, Kevin McKinney has a really cool voice. He does. And he growls there. That is so and, cool. And then he's pushing a bit, but he's in control. Yeah. Is there a more 90s phrase than you're wigging out, man? <laughs> wigging out? No yeah. one uses that anymore. Nobody uses that. Right, okay, we're officially bringing back wigging out. We're bringing back wigging out. It's, it's back now. <laughs> little harmony there, not too much. Absolutely, isn't that cool? And that is so like P funk. I mean, that's like George Clinton. That absolutely. And that ride symbol, Frosty's clicking on there. Ding, 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 ding. He's, he's just going at it, man. Yeah. Now that is a '97 guitar. Yeah. That really affects stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm gonna keep referring back to Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, John Frusciante, uh-huh. he he would play that tone right that there kind, a lot. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He would. Yeah, it's the zeitgeist. Yeah. You know That's some hot guitar, man. It does. You know what this feels like? Uh, this feels like Little Miss, Little Miss, Little Miss can't, can't be, be wrong. wrong. Kind of about the same time. Yeah, right? it, it did. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That, that there was a, that that kind of funky, groovy rock thing had a moment. Yeah, don't love this breakdown. This right is here. so cool. And I think we're gonna hear a xylophone. Yeah, maybe a marimba. That's a marimba. Yeah, I think you're right. They're doing some breaks on time signature there. Yeah, they're having some fun yeah. with it. That's more complicated than it, you would think. Yeah, th- this is a complicated structure yes, of yes. a song. You would expect whoever wrote this to be teaching at a music school. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. I love that guitar. Okay, so... Wow. I don't even know what they were playing in that. I, I don't either. And it was it was alternating. Like, it was changing up, up every now and then. Like, they were moving things around. There's some of that percussion I was talking about. Very jam bandish, Very much. Like, yeah. Like, harkens to, uh, like, Grateful Dead or uh, Widespread Panic. Widespread Panic, yeah, yeah, yeah. There he is. Frosty's playing the percussion stuff, right? But you know what? I mean, I gotta tell you, you gotta be pretty confident in what you're doing if you're gonna bring in like wood blocks. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, Neil, yeah. Neil Peart was bringing in cowbells and shit. You know? Hey, you, uh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know where you stand, man. Yeah. 
This is the freak out portion of Absolutely, of yeah. Wigan. Now they're wigging out. God, listen to that bass. I love that we're back into this, man. They came out of the freak out, and now we're just like right back into wigging. Like, right like nothing happened. And yeah, we're going to wrap this song up with this, man. That that groove with those... That strumming, I, just, I love that sound. That is so cool. There's an acoustic guitar in the background doing it, too, so it kind of has a lot of layers. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, yeah you can kind of hear the click over in the left channel. Yeah, just, just a little bit. It's, yeah. it's mixed way down, but it just adds to the overall effect. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't have caught that, but you're right. Yeah. Big finish, big finish. Damn. That's the part where everybody on stage looks back at the drummer to make sure you all jump in the air at the same time. Wow. <laughs> oh, what a great song. Yeah, that's the uh, the Jimi Hendrix. Wow. <laughs> so this is uh, this is track number four coming yeah. up next. This is Big Nose, which is such a great track. This is one of the best tracks on the album. I love I this. I, I love, love this song. I really so do. So great. Yeah. Uh, there's a sadness here. Uh, he's in New York. Yeah. And he's not calling it the Big Apple. He's calling it the Big Nose. It's the Big Nose. Yeah. A nose on a face, it grew tired and fell. Yeah. It's like Manhattan's just like the nose that fell off and it's just there all dirty by itself. And I came in here one day and I was singing this song. By the way, A Departure in Styles. Uh, so far, we've had some good rocking songs. We got to track three, and they were doing all kinds of time signatures. Now we're going to go into a straight-up three-beat waltz. Yeah. Yeah, this is very – this is uh, Central Texas-type sure, sure. Type yeah, stuff absolutely. with a three-beat waltz. Uh, but it's also really sad. This is a Wish You Were Here-type song, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he's like calling in the middle of the night. He doesn't have anybody else to talk to. And there, there's a great line in here where he goes – um, this must be the bottom. I've never seen it before, <laughs> you know, which is, that's a very sad line. And there's another line about, uh, I, I, I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure I hear somebody dying in the apartment next door to me. You know, wow. so you just get the idea that he's, for whatever reason he's up there, he's in a shitty part of town. He is all by himself. You know, it's almost like, you know, boy up in the big city all by himself. He's yeah. not liking it. He's missing being back home. And we get it like a really beautiful, sad song out of it. But even with the sadness, it's still good like yeah, the musicianship's is. fantastic yeah and, and it's also whimsical you know he's still doing that thing where he's he's playing around with you know there's some wordplay here and he's talking about being inside the big nose instead right. of the big apple he's like you know some call it the big apple but if you look at it the reason it's called big nose look at a map of new york look at staten island zoom out and just look at it and i'll be damned if, if it, it doesn't, doesn't look, look like, like a nose, nose. it looks like a nose even with the nasal passages it, and he it, talks it, about how crazy. everything flows up through the nose yeah, everything's stuck up in this big nose yeah it, it, would you ever have thought that never new york city <laughs> looked like a nose not not until you and i were talking about it i've been listening to this song for 25 years i never thought about it one two three one two yep. three right left right right left right that's the waltz you two steps to this well you can waltz to this all I know how to do is the two stuff. Obviously, so. you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> you can do a, ball, a box waltz. Oh, there you right, go. Right, left, right, right, left, right. I'm right, going to leave left, the dancing right, to you. Right, left, right. We do a lot of waltzing down in Central Texas. The Green Hall, the famous, fabulous the famous Green, Green Hall. Oh, 
He's so sad, right? He is, like, he's the just, hole I dug myself. Man, yeah. this is terrible. He's picked up everything, moved to New York to make it. Just like so many people have picked up and moved to Austin, you know? There's your, there's your line there. Big old broken nose. And it looks like a broken nose. It yeah, does. It's far from an apple, but it's not quite a hell. Whatever you paid for for this album is worth it for that line. <laughs> I know, right? It sucks and it blows. I wish you I were wish here, you were here with me stuck, stuck inside the big, big nose. nose. Yeah, I love that it's so much. It's such a cool line. It really is. And the first it? time I heard it, I was like, oh, that's kind of cheesy. Then you go back and you realize just how sad this is. God damn, that's a great line. And that's the sleep, sleep, why can't I sleep anymore? You just feel like how this guy's just like, laying in the apartment, right? That's yeah. the note. <laughs> his phrasing you talked about on his guitar yeah his, his lyrics are just as well phrased yeah they are man. they really are he's got a like an uncanny ability to find where the beat's gonna be and lead from the end of one line to the next like in the middle and then pick up right into another idea and I like how like in this song I mean this could have been a real simple just like strum along and there is in fact a guitar strumming along yeah but his the riff that he's playing on the verse sections and the chorus here like he He's phrasing, he phrases it with what he's singing. I mean, the whole thing's like, they really play off each other very nicely. Yeah. I think he's playing a slide there, huh? He is, yeah. A slide kind of looks like a medicine bottle. It just kind of goes over your finger. Yeah, like the top of a Coke bottle. Yeah. yeah. And so you just kind of move it up and down, so it just kind of bends from note to note. Gives you that real sad, lonesome sound, if you will. The sounds of this are, are so indicative of the 90s type blues stuff. That Absolutely. Really Absolutely. I, I mentioned Haddon Sayers uh, previously. Haddon has a couple songs that sound a lot, like, sound a lot like this. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. Oh, you introduced me to him. That was somebody I'd never heard of. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> I know that it's late and I know it's long distance, but I can't find anyone here who will listen. So sad. Gin Blossoms even. Gin Blossoms at that time... I mean, this is a like a transport, like a time transport it's a, it's a time back capsule, to our, isn't our it? childhood. Yeah. I'm so sorry if you didn't get a chance to live this, but man, <laughs> this like encapsulates what we it went really through, what we heard like on the radio. It, yeah. it really does. That riff at the end is just <laughs> what a so great cool. Song. So cool. That's big nose. I love that. So, uh, track five, uh, we're going to get a little loud and riffy again. We're going to get weird here, This right? is Psychological Bone. This is a strange one. Yeah. This has a Chris Duarte. Yeah, yeah absolutely, hard, yeah. Like, the... That bass line is great. I love that tone on that strat he's doing. Doing some scat back there. And the two guitars on this aren't playing exactly the same thing. They're doing just off a little bit. It's fun. Man, what a cool bass line. Because he's going up and down. 
the bass is a star right now. Right? Uh, absolutely. The bass and the drums, the rhythm yeah. section jam. Very funky guitar. I mean, I can, I can, I can almost picture these guys in a bar playing, and the bass and drums are playing, and the, the singers just kind of sitting there, just leaning into <laughs> just the, leaning guitar, into the right? mic, and just like hitting the guitar once in a while. The drum fill on that is just absolutely fantastic, isn't it? You know why I stopped it? Why is that? Because I figured out who he sounds like. Who's he sound like? Jay Mascus of Dinosaur Jr. You think? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Listen to the way, okay. the tone of his voice. They sound totally different. But Jay, tone... Jay has such a whinier voice, and yeah. I, I love Dinosaur just, Jr. But... Just listen to every once in a while, he has the, the feeling of Jay Mascus, uh, just the tone. Because it, it, it's lazy. It, it's like lazy, he's not pushing it, just kind of like I laying see back you, there. The delivery, yeah. Just, yeah. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. I'm going to have to think about that a little bit. So Dinosaur Jr., Jay Mascus of Dinosaur Jr. had a tendency to kind of lay back just a little bit. Yeah, he, he did. But also, those guys were like the like the loudest band ever. Played, yes, yes, right? they are. They're fantastic. Uh, and their energy is, you know, again, derivative. Spoiler, uh, we'll talk about Dinosaur Jr. again before this is over with. <laughs> but you hear what I mean, though? Where it's no, just, I see what you're saying, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a style thing more than exactly how we sound. Yeah, just kind of a laid back yeah. voice thing, yeah. This ready? Boom, 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 Play it for a frosty. Do it. Come on. I thought it was sure he's gonna fill in some stuff. That guy can hang back when he needs to. Let's let drive. Now he's pushing. Now he's pushing that growl. Heavy overdrive. Yeah, overdrive. Very dirty. Very dirty. Ooh, yeah, great guitar. Such a bluesy riff. Yeah, the lead riff. I'm gonna miss not listening to this album as much as I have. The last <laughs> I know, years. right? But I can see why you spun this album since you've heard it first. I mean, I can totally get it. It stands the test of time well, does yeah. it? I mean, and you know how it stands the test of time is because you'd never heard it before That's until right. two weeks ago and it, it wasn't nostalgia for you. It's like, this is a good album. Yeah, yeah. And again, 30 seconds into this, I was like, I'm, this is, I'm going to like I'm going to own this. Yeah, I'm I mean, gonna this like is going to be one that I'm going to have for a while. Hell yes. Listen to that guitar Hell play, yes. man. Once again, we're in a little bit of that jam bam vibe, you yeah. know. Just kind of going back and forth across the pickups there. Yeah, just having know? some fun with it. Yeah. And that sounds like Stevie. But the bass in the background is the guys playing so many notes. Yeah. Breakdown time. Yeah. It's a long ass song. It is. I think it's the longest one on the album. About seven minutes? 
Eric Johnson was an Austin guy. That's right. He was very particular about which way the cables were plugged in. Yeah. But uh, talk about guitar tone. Eric oh, Johnson yeah. in that Cliffs of Dover time when That's, he was yeah. doing that stuff. That guy, I, I could see where a guy who was big into guitar in Austin would try to pick up on all the stuff Eric Johnson was doing. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, he was definitely... He's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Virtuosic. Virtu- right? Yeah, exactly. I also find him almost unlistenable. Unbearable to, to, to watch live. Yeah. Unbearable to watch because he's fucking with those pedals constantly. <laughs> <laughs> and his pedal board had, I swear to you, it, it's bigger than this table. Yeah. He's just constantly stomping, trying to get the tone just yeah. right. And I can't tell the difference. Just like milliseconds of tone difference. Just, just enough for his bit. ear, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's really letting loose on that growling in the background there. He is. Sounds like somebody else. I, I, like every once in a while, he he will he'll sing something, and I'll sit there and think, man, who the hell does he sound like? I love that he's not doing the how mouth. I agree because that was that was, right that was the mouth, thing, mouth, right? Mouth. He's actually he's in a very distinct voice. He doesn't sound like everybody else, but you're right. He's not doing the oh no oh the, yeah yeah oh, I forgot Kevin. sorry sorry. I'm telling Santa Claus a no gift for you this year. Well, listen, year. we got through four without one, so we got one. I mean, it could be worse. I mean, it was a seven-minute song, too. You couldn't <laughs> wait in that song. Were they like nine minutes? And the guy was like, you know, we backed this back two minutes, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, fuck it. We're not redoing it. <laughs> this is uh, track six, Preacher Man. Preacher Man. This one has uh, this is a cool song. This has a couple of fun like shout out like Austin reference things that I thought of. Um, okay, he talks about like Friday night going to San Antonio. Okay, yeah, and that was kind of a thing. It's just like San Antonio is an hour south yeah. of, of like, Austin. Roll, like roll down and like go to Tierra and go get yeah. some because that that the, the great Mexican place in San Antonio that's open twenty four hours a day. You know? sure. It's like drive down there and get some enchiladas and a margarita and then drive back to Austin. It was a very big thing. Does Probably it, still is. Does this feel like satellite by Dave Matthews here? Uh, it's, it's got a little bit of that vibe. Yeah. Okay. And then he references a drag worm in here, which is a fun one. So that the drag is the stretch of uh, Guadalupe that is uh, just to the side of the University of Texas. Okay. Right, this is a little stretch of going up from, uh, I think it's MLK and up. And uh, like the student stuff is there, and there was bookstores and everything. And the drag worms were all like the homeless folks that just slept there. Really? They like, just lived on the street. A they drag were, worm. They were called I've drag never, worms. I've never yeah. heard that before. So when he says Mr. Drag Worm, he starts, he's carrying on a conversation with this guy, and that's, that's a very Austin thing. How cool is that? This is kind of the sad one, right? It is, yeah. Okay, we all, we're going to play the sad one. Ride symbol again. Yep. Hitting that bell. Bang, bang, bang. Little organ. I think that's a shimmery guitar. Man, I swear I hear it, like you a, may an be organ right. back there. Yep, you're there right. Yeah, it is. You're right, yeah. Real subtle, like, in the background. But, yeah. man, it's it's really well layered because you got it guitar, is. guitar, bass, organ just kind of falling in. Just kind of all falling in, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Frosty's drums are very well tuned. 
Like he's he's tuned those drums very very well. Yeah, I, I agree. With you triad on that, tuned drums. Just just a little fill. Yeah. The guitar tones on this are very lush. There's that organ. There's the organ. Yeah. He plays around. Oh, that's cool. That's a woodblock. Here, yeah. Okay, so he's doing a chuck across the drum, where he takes the the drumstick and puts the bead right in the middle of the of the drum head. And it hits the edge. So oh, okay, got gotcha. you. Think of that kind of percussive. Yeah, it's, it's, it's real percussive. Yeah, called a chuck. Man, that's awesome. You know who this with the with the organ and stuff in the background and the kind of rocky bluesiness. This kind of sounds like a little bit like the Wallflowers at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of little roots rock, you know. Man, I thought you were going to say Black Crows, but yeah, Wallflowers is a much better. I mean, the, the Black Crows would have worked. I mean, similar, sure. That's Jacob Dylan. Yeah, Bob, Bob Dylan's, Dylan's son. son. Yeah. Oh, man, it's such a contemplative, sad little riff. It is. But it's sticking with that theme of, like, they pick a riff and they play it. just kind of run with it, yeah. They play around with it. Yeah. It's almost, uh, it's, it's jazzy in a way, right? Just improvisation upon yeah. a theme. Sure. I love his laid-back guitar playing here. I tell you what, Kevin McKinney is a hell of a musician. He really is. He, he really knows when to lay off the gas. Yeah, but you know, you know how he could be ripping this up if he wants yeah. to. And instead, he's just playing something that goes perfectly with it. Wow. There was a, a musician by the name of Fritz Beers uh, down in Austin that played in a few bands, including one called Punchy. Oh yeah, punchy. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think uh, Kevin's Kevin's confidence uh, kind of reminds me of Fritz's confidence as well. Gotcha. You know, just that like knowing you know what the right thing is to play. Damn, we got another fade out. Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, just kind of like knowing when to lay back um, and when not to. Okay to be contemplative. Okay to be sad. Right, and then okay to just like kick out the jams. Okay, so we're here for the num- track number seven. This is Bone Crusher. This is the Bone Crusher. Yeah. That's right. This is such a great song. <laughs> ugly kid Joe bullshit. Yeah, it was of the time, right? Yeah. About that part. He's born and raised. All right, I'm gonna shut up because this thing rocks. What a great riff! That groove is ridiculous. Yeah. So every Friday at 5.05, that's when... Spun it up on KLBJ, man. Love that. So cool. Cool. (laughs) 
and, and they're doing that thing you were talking about. They're like playing on the riff, right? Yeah. We have this. This is our riff. The whole song is structured around this. We'll do a couple things off it, a couple things here and there, but we're just pounding through this. Yeah. You know, the, uh, King's X has that. Uh, uh, they have that one song that just like totally thrashes and kicks us. What is that? A moan? Uh, moan jam. Moan, moan jam. jam. Yeah. yeah. It kind of like it's the same riff over. Yeah. And it's like going yeah. at it constantly. Yeah. And when it gets to that part of the show, like everyone just goes ape shit. Then like, loses their mind. Their hat. Yeah. And, like, throws their beer and just yeah. goes crazy. Just goes nuts. This I, is, that, I can see where this, this would song. be that yeah, one, yeah. right? And this has that uh, that blues, like I'm a badass ethos kind of thing going on again. Yeah. You know? It's still kind of whimsical. It is, know? though. The Bone Crusher. Yeah. Stripping Daisy kind of did a little bit of that, kind of like where they'd pick a say, pick, pick a word, or they just kind of run with it and yeah. write a song around it. Yeah. Got a girl. Oh, I forgot Got about girl. that. And it's kind of over and over. So from what I understand, when they played the song live, it could be a 30-minute song. Right? They would just, yeah, there's a lot of jamming, as I understand it as well. Yeah, this so, is what you came for, folks. Yeah, this is what you came, came for. came for this one, so we're going to make this thing last. And evidently, uh, later, in the uh, towards the end, uh, maybe after the second reunion, I don't know where, but he re-engineered this into an acoustic version that he would play live, which uh, I have wow. never heard. I saw it was on the .NET, on, on their website. Soul Hat about that. Yeah. We mentioned soulhat.net, right? I think so. If fan, not, we just did. Yeah, fan site, soulhat.net. They, they not much. The, yeah, there's just a little bit of information on there. Yeah, you know, not a, like a lot of broken links, but yeah. it's just some fan site where they were kind Somebody of keeping Soulhat yeah. alive. So shout out to the folks at soulhat.net for keeping this going. Love that, so man. good, yeah. God dang. Hear that little floor Tommy's got back there. I think he hates New York. It sounds like it, right? Yeah. Yeah, see, I jumped down from the Empire State, landed on my head, and I got up and did a little funky dance just to prove I wasn't dead. <laughs> but that's a good catch, man. That's the second song about New York. Yeah. I wonder who the Bone Crusher was. Like, what is he referring to? Here? I think it's just one of those, uh, like, pounding the chest kind of... Like, I'm a badass. Well, obviously he's he's claiming fealty to him because he's asking, please don't hurt me. Please don't crush my bones. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, asking nicely won't help, you know. Yeah. Well, he's kind of doing the call and response. He's doing both parts of the character, right? Sure. Yeah. He's the bone crusher and also the one that doesn't want to get crushed. Yeah. That drum fill never stops. It just, yeah. it just kept going. I think Frosty was kind of a bigger fellow, too, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. He must have been exhausted and sweaty. I would imagine. Yeah. 
hit those riffs one more time. I love that little guitar part there. Yeah. Hell yes. God. Wow. What a great tune. And then, so we Woo. go directly from that into this next track, which is essentially like an instrumental jazz guitar track. Like the, no words, right? Yeah. Why do these these things don't seem like they should go one after the other on the album? But yet, strangely, it works. This is called Imuga. Imuga. I'll tell you why. This is the. Um, uh, this is what Brian Wilson gave us. Oh my goodness! <laughs> On pet sounds, okay. he had a little song called "A Little One" while you're while we were away. That um, it, he would just kind of put in these like intermission, right? You know, the instrumental intermissions, uh, just for fun. Yeah, but Tool has intermission on Anima. That's true. That's a good point. So I mean, it, which came out by the way in '96. So sure, I mean, sure. I, th- I think it's just. They probably didn't mean it to necessarily go right after Bone Crusher. Maybe they did. Maybe this is a sorbet that that cleanses the palate palate for you. This is a great song, by the way, but I would expect to hear this from a jazz artist. Because this is very jazzy. It totally is. There's like some Pat Metheny in there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know? Kind of cool triplet on the da 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 da. One lolly, two lolly, three lolly, four lolly. Yeah, total Pat Metheny sound. Yeah, very much so. But you know, sometimes a song doesn't really mean anything. You know, this is obviously just something they liked playing. Yeah. What's your favorite song in this album? Good to be gone. Big Nose would be a very close second. Little Donald Fagan inspiration guitar there. Yeah, I can see that. Kind of jazz sure, sure. Type stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I guess it'd be more Walter Becker than we Donald Fagan. But I, I, I do what you meant. Yeah. yeah, but you know what? There's some Eric Johnson stuff here too. That sounds like Eric Johnson yeah, right yeah. there. The way he came in with the the dirt, yeah. the dirty tone. And just kind of messing around with the tone and like, yeah. now I'm going to do this sound. Now I'm going to do this sound. see this as like being the intro song like you know ladies and gentlemen soul hat you know? and then they kind of go into this and everybody's kind of looking around like what the, what the fuck hell is that in here and then like Bow, dum, 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 and then we're into bug crusher <laughs> 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 this could this could almost be like a intro to like a police procedural movie right it's all like from the 80s you know like well cutaway scenes from the city we're setting the mood but what's funny is just how like elegant and sophisticated this sounds. Uh, and then we're going to get to the, the next the last, track. Yeah, the next track is Dirty Old Man, which I, I don't know if you like it or not. I love it. I love, oh, I this love track. that song. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. The lyrics on this are some of his most whimsical, the funniest on this whole album, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. 
There's so much fun on this. Like, there is. There's a there lot is. of fun on this album, but it's also like some serious music. And it's kind of fun seeing the fun juxtaposed against these guys that are just really, really badass musicians. Well, you know? and, yeah, and it's nice to have, like, so this is Dirty Old Man, track number nine. It's nice to have something amusing like this as opposed to the same general subject matter that everything else from the 90s that we would expect, right? Yeah. I mean, this, yeah. they're definitely doing their own thing. Yeah. I love that when you get into this. Listen to that. That is such a cool, cool riff. I love when that second guitar comes in. Yeah. So much funk. Yes, very much. And now we're going to rock. That's so cool. That's so cool. Playing octaves here on that, yeah. Somebody's grandpa on a fuzzy little G-string is like the <laughs> some great imagery. Maybe he's talking about Leslie. Maybe he's talking about the homeless guy. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. Oh wow. I don't know if he can pet my dog. <laughs> I love the guitar. Yeah, that's really cool. Like playing way up here on the neck, right? Yeah. Living on Twinkies and Scotch. So is this your favorite on the album? Uh, Big Nose is probably my favorite. Okay, this will be number two. This is number two. Okay. I gotta tell you, outside of Imaga, uh every single one, every single song on this is a highly listenable, highly sing, yeah, sing-alongable type song, right? And God, I would love to watch him do this album live. You know, I mean, I, obviously Frosty's gone, and so you, you know you can't yeah, really how, grab. How would you find it? somebody else that would play like this in Austin? I mean, this guy's got a pretty unique sound. Yeah. Oh man. See, this sounds like Red Hot Chili Peppers to me. Yeah, I, I see, the, the I, early stuff. I see where you're going with that. So the effect he's doing there is using a wah pedal. He's using the right? wah pedal, yeah. So you, a wah pedal, you, you, it goes on the tone, and you yeah. literally rock it back and forth. So it goes and like, it makes wow, 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 wow. Right. But what he's done there is he just kind of pushed it open and just kind of left that wah, that one just, sound. Just going right at it, yeah. yeah. Now he's doing the wow, up and down, wow, yeah. Wow, yeah. It's easy to miss how cool the rhythm guitar is underneath the solo yeah, because sure the is. solo is so good, but the rhythm guitar is great. Yeah. You know, and the way he's done the the uh, the rhythm on his lyrics against kind of that chaotic dum 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 he's back there just kind of laying them in wow 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 is a really really cool way it, to do it that. is the drums here at the end 
Golly. What's that? Bourbon Street? What is that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that. The styles these guys are grabbing on and throwing together in this like soup of cool rock. It, it really is. It really is. I mean, it really is just like one of everything from '94. You know, Doctor John, Red Hot Chili Peppers, maybe some of that Dinosaur Junior. A little bit, a little bit of everything. Yeah. yeah, but still very uniquely themselves, right? They don't sound like they're trying to sound like anybody else. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any filler on this album, but I think once they got to this point. Uh, the last two tracks are uh, there's some experimental stuff happening here, right? Okay, I, I like this track uh, a lot. I think the guitar playing on it's really cool, right? Um, I would like this one to stay on there. I could live without a bugger. <laughs> You're gonna okay. take one of them off. I yeah. keep this one. Yeah. But there's a bit of a reprise back to Imbugger with this, right? Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, it's got that kind of jazzy feel to it, yeah. the shimmery um, vocal thing he's got going he's got this weird effect on his vocals where it's just kind of like it really is shimmery right like early morning fog yeah I hadn't thought about that but you're right that minimalistic hi-hat all the drums are minimalistic he's not doing much but, it's a but he doesn't have to Tone on that bass right there That's a funny line There's no way it could be last call Always wait around too long I get it This is the This is closing time at the bar the end right? of the night right Yeah he's yeah. drunk and kind of Kind of woozy and kind of sad because he doesn't have anybody to go home with. And, but yeah, I get it. Yeah, there's your bar reference where the red eyes see it all wrong. Yeah. Like the, the drunken, stumbly texture here is is really fun. Right? It is. It goes well with it. But it def- it definitely has that end of the night feel to it. Yeah, yeah. It's still kind of doing riff stuff there, just doing it really slowly and just kind of layered in. Very simple. 
this is one of the simpler tracks on here. Yeah, I mean, compared I mean, to the rest of the stuff, yeah. Definitely a tone hound. Yes, I mean, have you very noticed much the way so, he's yeah. playing around with the tones? Yes, very good. Very, very much. I love that sound. Whatever sound he's doing there, like whatever effect he's making. That in and out of consciousness type. He's having a lot of fun playing on this song, yeah. you know. Was interested like when a song is written, like like what the headspace was for the guy writing it. You know, like was he coming up with this kind of on his own, or did he actually feel this way one night and sitting in his apartment? Kind of right. Was it a was it a songwriter? I mean, was it written from a songwriter's perspective, yeah. or is this a first person? Yeah, like you know, Jason Isbell can put himself into that headspace where right uh, he can like imagine himself as someone who's murdering. And, and the, story, you know? Right, right, and then and then actually make you believe that it's first person. Yeah, right. But with this, I mean, there feels like such a like a, a like crazy a, level intimacy here. Th- there does, yeah. yeah. It's almost like he's being autobiographical with yeah, this. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and it, I mean, just his uh, his vulnerability on this, you know, is just this it, definitely doesn't have the you know, like the braggadocio of like the Bone Crusher and the other stuff. Like that's like that's like part of his persona, and then like this is the this is the other piece, this is well, the other side. I think if you try to do a whole album of this. It, it would fall flat because after a bit, I mean, here I am talking over it, so I'm ready to move on. Um, right? But maybe it's because I'm so comf- uh, uncomfortable with his vulnerability. You know. In fairness, maybe it's both. The song probably could have ended after the last instrumental section, but it's a six-minute song. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a long song. But at least they didn't fade out. In the last track, fifteen more miles. There's a lot of weird shit. There's like there three is. different movements in this. Switches up completely. Why did he count to eight? I don't know. Because it's in 12 8 time. Okay, well, there you go. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 1, 2, 3, 4, 8. That's a 12, 8 time. That's a... Fuck, that's a hard... <laughs> that's a hard uh, time signature to hit, man. It is. That's a great riff. And now we're back to the, the heavier, the funkier, the dirtier. Yeah. Which the album had to end on this note, right? It couldn't have ended with the other. We started with Homer. We got to end with something like that. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I alluded to it. This song is going to stop, and then a totally different song is going to pick up in the middle of this song. Yeah, it's, it's weird. So it's like they had like three other songs that they wanted to play, and they weren't <laughs> really sure how to do them. Yeah. 
you know, I'm convinced the Beatles did that on the White Album. You know, they, they had a couple ideas for songs. They're like, well, I only have, I only have enough for one. Ooh, Paul, what do you John, put it on the same song. <laughs> Don't let Ringo near the drums. <laughs> Yes, that's my Paul McCartney impersonation. You are very welcome, folks. Nicely done. (laughs) Singing in the background. (laughs) That's so cool. So this is also waltzy. Yeah, it is. It is. I was, I was actually just thinking this kind of reminds me of the Pogues a little bit. Yeah, yeah, totally is. Like Irish, Irish waltzy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. When he said that line, so drink your beers and impress your peers, and I was like, that's the Pogues. That's yeah, that drinking that's the, with the beer drink going back and forth. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Good call, man. That's the end of whatever that is, and pick it up with another song. Oh, no, no, no I missed not, it. Not yet, yeah, yeah. You're, you're coming up. He was fooling with you that time, man. He was. Listen, I just started listening to this album. That's three right, weeks right. More wop. I love that. I was about to say, I love that wah going there. That's really cool. It's just texture, really. That's a really complex song. It really is. When you've got just a select group of riffs that have to be played perfectly, you got to be very, very good, right? You got to yeah. be on your game. Stop playing that guitar. You know, I kind of feel like the, the whole uh, the, that whole song was almost like the ender here, right? Right. Have I missed something? I, I only had that as the the last song. That is, yeah, that's it. Uh, I've got one more here. Okay, so this is the one. This is the three. That's okay, the song I was wrong. That you were talking about. Okay, so on the later, like the original release was eleven. Okay, and then like if you go to iTunes now or Amazon, I think the re-release has got an additional Spotify Spotify yeah. there you go so this is going to have the bonus track yeah there you go okay yeah. so bonus track is Dick in the Intersection Dick in the Intersection this is the song I was saying that has that's what you were modes. talking about right. okay gotcha yeah. wow that's a shocking name of a song right Dick in the Intersection yeah I would assume he's talking about someone he's driving next to right you would think so this is a cool riff. I love the song. As weird as it is, and yeah. the way that it breaks up is, is odd, but I love the, the 
tone of this thing. Like the overdrive on that on that guitar right there. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Kind of the Eric Clapton overdrive type stuff. He's like talking through the whole thing in the background very lowly. You can hear these voices cutting in and out every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some experimentation he's doing on this one. Maybe that's why they let Maybe it off why the they make the original cut. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think we can sell this one. I think the album probably would have been okay with, uh, with just the first 11. Yeah, I know? think so. This is a cool track, though. But, you know, this kind of just goes to the musicianship that Kevin McKinney has. So it's, you know, it's kind of fun to be able to listen to it. I'm okay with listening to it. Yeah, absolutely. They're just having a good time with it. There's a lot going on there. Man, there's a lot happening. That's like so 90s to have a song where you just like talk away from the microphone in the background for a while while everybody's jamming around. It's funk. I mean, you think about yeah. how many times Anthony Kiedis did that? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. You know, they, uh, on, the, on that Mother's Milk album, they had that song... Uh, uh, Magic Johnson. L.A. Legos. Fast break. That's right. Sorry. Chicken break. Draw tickets. Back to back. It's a badass back. I haven't listened to that album in a long time. I need to pull that's that back That's a great album. Out. That is. That's a really good album. album. Yeah. That has Stone Cold Bush on it. Yes. What, probably my favorite Red Hot Chili Pepper song. Love Stone Cold Bush. Oh, you knocked me down. Yeah. That's a great track. And I think they did a Stevie Wonder. They did. They did. Uh, yes. It'll come to me in a second. Higher Ground? Higher Ground. There yeah. you go. Oh, man. What a great fill. The bass is just chugging along with this thing, man. Yeah. Man, the rhythm section, the bass, and the drums are, so are both of them. Man, they are so good together. What's the bass player's name? Is that Walsh? Brian Walsh? Yes. Yeah. I'd like to know where Brian Walsh is now. Hopefully playing bass with somebody. Yeah. Because that guy's good. He should not have Really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Back and forth. Good. I mean, this is a guy that I would want to take guitar lessons from. Absolutely, he's—you can tell that he's technically very, very good. Absolutely, he kind of reminds me of the guy from, um, uh, well, what's the Canadian band that we like? Oh, uh, 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 did the Oath? Ian, um, big wreck, big wreck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the guitar guy. From yeah, big I, see, I see what you're talking like, about. Very, that. very technically good, but also can just jam. Kind of, yeah, just have some fun with it. Yeah. Put Big Wreck on my list because I, I want to do that album. Though. That was a very good album. Yeah. It was. This is kind of garage bandy right here. Yeah. Little, this is this is filler, right? Yeah, absolutely. But maybe they didn't think so at the time. I mean, I'm sure they were having some fun with it. It's not too braggy, but I mean, we got it. Wow. 
This is probably something they had played live and it was a fun jam to do that jam band thing with, and so they yeah. put it on the album. You know. That's cool. Guys, we got we five minutes left on studio time that we paid for. So, do you have another song? A little less Claypool action there. <laughs> yeah, this is very chaotic. I mean, whatever. Songs to go crazy to. This is. Yeah, and there's. Yeah, this is. Okay, this is the thing yeah, I was talking about. Hey, you know what? I still have this running. This is a kill my buddy. Kill, yeah, there you go. That's right. This is the other bonus track. Yeah. Has no business being on an album. Not at all. No. Not even close. As far as I'm concerned, and in my notes, I ended with 15 miles. Like that's the end of the album. Yeah. yeah. Same gibberish, right? It, and, and you're right. It's close. The, the way those start, it all it sounds like one song just compressed yeah. together. Yeah. I mean, this, this is this is kind of fun and jammy. You know? I guess. You know, I just it doesn't get like the first eleven tracks are so good, even excluding Umaga, but it's still so good. I, This sounds like this does sound like you're at a bar in Texas somewhere, like drinking a Lone Star, and this is what they're playing, right? Kind of Jerry Reed inspired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. The Hollies. I, I think the reason that we're like, eh, is because the rest of the album is so good. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> You come off like dirty old man and waited and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, I mean, I, I guess you guys played this and it was yeah, cool. It, but it's just, it, it would be hard to follow the first eleven tracks, which sure. is probably why they didn't originally. Well, and I, I could, I think I can kind of see where they're going there with those two bonus tracks. But you know, I could see where they were playing around the studio and just never came together. Um, but even at that, I mean, it kind of contributes to the cool music experience. Sure, of this album. sure, absolutely, yeah, the absolutely. listening experience. So, uh, how many times do you think you've listened to this album over the years? I couldn't even begin to tell you. Really? I mean, I, it, I listen to it a lot, all the time. So do you think this is one of your favorite albums? Like, if, like if you oh, get down yeah, to absolutely. Like, listing my albums, this is going to be like top to five, top five? See, you know I hate it when you push me on numbers I here. Yeah. I don't know. It's in the top, uh, it's in the top some. This is definitely, that? this is definitely a super listenable album. And I'm going to bet that most of the people listening have never heard of Good to Be Gone by Soul Hat. Um, 
but I could totally see where this would be a song from 1994 where, you know, we've been listening to this thing for, for 26 years. Uh, I could totally see where this would be a song that would enter someone's regular rotation where they would even go, Hey, I listen to this album that I've, that yeah, I, that I just up. recently discovered because it is, it's very listenable. It's catchy. Um, even if you don't want to get into the, uh, the musical, the musicianship of it, which sure. we've done, but it, it it's something you could put on in the background and just enjoy. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's that good. It works on a lot of different levels. Totally. It's a good one, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I, you liked it. I, I, I liked it a lot, uh, so much to the point where this is going to be one that I'm going to go back to. There's going to be times where I'm sitting there, I'm going, I'm, I need to go listen to that Soul Hat I need, album. I need me some Soul Hat. Yeah. And if we're lucky, then you will do the same thing. This is our favorite albums, and today we've covered Soul Hats, Good to Be Gone from 1994. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you soon. Thanks for hanging with us. Mm-hmm.